Sex is one of humanity's greatest sources of pleasure. So why is it still shrouded in guilt, shame, and misunderstanding? Welcome to Are You Available? I'm your host, Lana Jade, sex worker turned counselor and sexual educator. And I'm here to unpack some of those issues that have come to light from my time in the adult industry. Hello there, and welcome back to Are You Available? I am Lana Jade, and today I have with me Vivian Black. So Vivian is... (laughs) Sorry, I didn't even give you a chance to say hello. (laughs) (laughs) Vivian is, for those of you who don't know, is an iconic member of the sex worker community, and I'm going to let her introduce herself. Hi. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to be interviewed today on your podcast because I've been listening to your episodes and I think that what you're doing for the industry is amazing. So for those of you who don't know me at all, I'm Vivian Black. I am a sex worker at Escort based in Sydney. I have toured internationally and nationally. I mentor. I also own the creative agency for our industry called Sim by Design and Pretty Danger that will be coming out very soon, hopefully, <laughs> once we get out of lockdown, maybe. <laughs> lockdown just seems to be solving everything. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. It's like our whole lives are just like in limbo right now. This six months is just such a write-off. <laughs> I know. Oh, well, yeah. It is a bit smart. I mean, I have, I say um a lot. Notice that there are a lot of people in our industry really doing well in, in lockdown at the moment, basically because of their ability, I guess, to be tenacious and diversify, which is sort of exciting to see, I think. It's interesting. I can't wait to see what the next six months brings, COVID. I know it is interesting it's crazy how much each of us have had to adapt and tailor I mean I guess it's like any industry has had to go through this we had to adapt and change but we have to do it quite a bit so over your career what do you think some of the biggest you know moments of adaptability have been biggest moments of adaptability Wow, that's a good question. I am sort of a throw myself in the deep end and then go, oh, fuck, I need to change something kind of person. (laughs) Um, (laughs) People say to me a lot, like, oh, you're always so brave where you just like go for it. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of personality flaw sometimes because I put so much stress on myself. But I would probably say my biggest moment of realizing that I had to to adapt things and change too would be when I did TEDx so that TEDx pitch live one I had never talked to that many people before and out myself in a room do you know what I mean but just some of the feedback that I got from the from those people from that I was like well hang on this is a new way of, of like looking at the problem that I pitched to them and how to solve it so I I adapted a part of my business from that uh, in terms of sim by design yeah and that's so pretty dangerous sort of came into play and the other one would, would have to be mentoring during COVID because I have to admit 
I'm a privileged worker and I haven't always been that way, but I think I got a bit complacent with what my struggles were compared to other people. So doing a lot of that, that free mentoring, which was about three calls a day for almost over a year and a half. Yeah. Really got to, yeah, yeah, I know. Like it was from all over the world. So I got to just speak to people that have problems I've never encountered before like with work and, you know, not so much just legalities and things like that, but in terms of like how they were marketing and advertising and where the clients like were sort of sitting in their market, how to, how to reach them was totally different. And that was just, I don't know, it was like mind boggling and mind blowing for me at the same time, because it was like, how am I supposed to offer you advice if I don't know how it works so I go and do research do you know what I mean and then I'd be like oh hang on hang on a second this is like so cool this is so different to how I work um and yeah I think that sort of humbled me as well a little bit because like I forgot this connection with our industry and the people in it that's not everybody is is doing things the same way as me not not everybody um works the same way not everybody wants to work the same way and that's totally fine yeah so it sort of just exploded my mind <laughs> really I would, yeah it would yeah. have been such an incredible experience but let's talk about your experience from the beginning so you were saying something about your struggles and how they've changed so yeah. what have been how did you start what have been what were the struggles and how has the industry changed from you know from when you first began to now are the struggles remain the same or have they like across the board do you think for sex workers or has it changed I don't really I can't really answer that because like my experience within sex work even though it has been different kinds has always been such a small fraction and very inward looking the majority of me working but I I started working because I was in a really bad position financially like I was working in sales I wanted to go back to uni I was living in this tiny ass shoebox apartment in Elizabeth (laughs) Bay and like for some reason I was like I'll live in Elizabeth Bay $350 a week rents like totally fine being like what 19 years old or something (laughs) and I I really couldn't struggle I mean I, I couldn't cope like I was struggling financially I bought myself the most beautiful cat who was such an asshole. Like, <laughs> his name was Killer. Like, he was called Killer for a reason. And he was just tenacious and, and like, he was like a Hitler cat. Like, that's the best way I can sort of describe him. <laughs> but he, he took up, like, all my money. and But it was, like, a something I, I impulse bite on, do you know what I mean? But from that moment, everything snowballed for me. Like, I was getting hit with bills I wasn't expecting to pay because I was young and dumb. I racked up myself quite a fair, fair large of debt really early on in my, my young adult career. Uh, all young adult life and <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately it's not just the whole thing right yeah. but it's not just for me like I was also I had just come out of a really horrible and toxic relationship which completely shattered my confidence and I didn't know what to do and I just knew that I didn't want to be in that position again like or in the position that I was in now I had seen you know movies and, and- <laughs> yeah 
time. Pretty sure everybody saw Seek Confessions of a Cold Girl, right? I went and rented oh. that. sorry yeah so I I did that and I never really had a problem with the concept of sex work because I was such a hussy so (laughs) it was just like oh I get it (laughs) some of us are just like that way inclined I think (laughs) inclined from from you know like 15 16 (laughs) and I was just like I don't know totally do that so I went to work I I, sorry I google search agencies and I picked the first one and I really fell for the charm that was told to me when I went to start working there and I know I've talked about this little leg of my journey really briefly on Instagram recently I'm the post that I put out I was really taken advantage of by these people and it wasn't just me there was a whole group of workers that I'm still in contact with some of them but you know we were sent out with drugs to sell to people we were taking these drugs as well and it was a really big loophole of bad choices after bad choices um trusting in the wrong people and when this smoke veil sort of like lifted it came from a really bad thing happening and and that's that a worker died in, in a booking that I thankfully was not at but I do know people that were and that that case was really high profile like was you know through the media there was a worker that had to out herself to to basically put this guy away and that was at a time when there wasn't you know private girls to advertise on and stuff like that like this is where you worked for other people or you worked by yourself like completely hidden from from the world online and and basically almost underground-ish do you know what I mean so yeah from from there like leaving from that situation uh while I was at university I went and worked at stilettos and then from there branched out to being being private after a few years and I never looked back (laughs) (laughs) so when you began your private career how was it starting for you going from working for somebody else to then calling all the shots yourself did you I know you jump right into everything you do so how did you decide to do (laughs) one thing I didn't jump right into so when I yeah when I when I left working in-house and after I'd done done my time I say working over in resources yeah. and following my brief stint of a geology career um <laughs> very brief it was very big comparison the two careers yeah. I must say <laughs> surprisingly no because like in geology it's like mostly alcoholic men that like are working young you know 24 year old girl with like double d tits sitting there in the middle of the field just going I don't know if I'm gonna survive (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah so I I went to work uh next for a touring agent so it's like you know somebody who does not a PA but somebody actually manages a profile for you um and I worked with them touring the country for about six months and then decided to go private um because I didn't feel like I was getting enough information about my bookings I wasn't getting enough advance notice um and I I struggle with anxiety so notice for me and being able to plan and knowing the information is just like it's paramount makes me feel safe it also makes me not like 
bumble and trip over and fall through the door and make an ass of myself, which I do do anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But But you're in control of it now. (laughs) I'm getting a little bit better. I mean, after 33 years, I've learned how to walk straight. So. Wow. <laughs> <The girl's good. laughs> but, uh, yeah, so after after doing the tour agent, I then went private. And I started off with somebody else rather than Vivian when I first went private. Uh, I then had an issue with somebody that was close to me um, that was trying to out me to my family. Um, yeah. So I, I basically took the power away from them and I showed my face mm-hmm. when there wasn't many people showing their face online and yeah I had my my name change and my big brand reveal and I was like hey guys here Here I am am. (laughs) (laughs) and yeah and you've created such a yeah like a really iconic career since then it's been incredible like everyone knows who Vivian Black is in the industry and you do so much work like for the community as well so you've used your platform to really give back to the community as a whole what are some of the things that you've been working on you know yeah okay I love this question thank you um Uh, so basically, once I sort of took off with Sim by Design a few years ago, I originally created that as a more of a creative outlet. Um, and it first became apparent to me that this was an opportunity to create something in the industry, which is still coming, that could be more of a resource, I guess, rather than something that's necessarily just a business. Uh, and that's why I did things like the free mentoring one you know to help to to be there to help like I said I couldn't answer everybody's questions straight off off the bat but I had the time and I had the ability to uh, and I think that it's in a way also helped me get through first lockdown because the lack of contact with people obviously but being able to chat to people and and not just be sitting there doing doing nothing and not being useful (laughs) do you know what I mean But yeah, from that, so listening to everybody's woes in that Sim by Design team, because we do have a team, uh, and I decided that we were going to start focusing on having more of a community-driven project-based business, which is what we're coming out and launching. Um, And I don't really want to say overly too much about what's what's sort of coming because it is coming in little installations. But the first thing we sort of wanted to focus on was having a resource hub. Um, so verifying and listing businesses and individuals and creatives and, you know, doctors and all that that are, are in the industry first in Australia and then hopefully internationally, which is a huge task. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So we've got sort of like a little directory for that coming. And the other one, which has been my super passion, is our licorice library which is a multi, like a hybrid resource library, um, which this podcast will, will be listed in at some point. Uh, which is every The Licorice Library. You, oh, awesome. I, th- I thought I heard you right. And I was like, wait, what? So it's cool. licorice, like old spelling, not like the candy, because like it sort of means like rude and crude. So it's <laughs> like, it's so I knew that. Yeah, so the Licorice Library is 
aiming to be a, basically like a linking service again and having things like templates and downloads and all of the stuff we can sort of get from everywhere that is sex worker based or around sex work or a business focused like to help yeah. you with things like your marketing and all that sort of stuff so where we have reached out to people like yourself creators <laughs> And then do quick interviews with us. And yeah, basically uh, being a part of our resource hub, the SIN hub, which is all the, the, the listings and stuff on there. People in have to contribute to the licorice library once a year. And that's sort of like the payment for it. <laughs> to oh, be hosted. Yeah. So like these are sort of free services, I guess, or free resources that we're wanting to create to help connect people and network people as well in our industry, because there is such a huge variance between like the the opportunities that people have in the industry education levels that people have in the industry and, and you're know, giving giving people an option that maybe they haven't had before for information that can be easily accessible yeah yeah that sounds amazing because that is one of the biggest things it's just like you come into the industry and you're like where do I where do I go now like what do I do who do I turn to and that's where people land themselves in situations where they meet with the wrong people and they just fall into the wrong sort of working environment because they don't know any different and you do get sweet talks into it and then by the time you join up it's too late like you're like now shit yeah. fuck what do I do so having resources available online Can where we should be guys so I'm talking over you or something yeah. I'm sorry I'm, I'm actually talking over you I'm commenting on what you're saying <laughs> wait your turn please yeah, yeah I agree yeah. <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> yeah, like, 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 I'm like but let me speak <laughs> pathways within within the industry are really important not just pathways in and pathways out but pathways through and I think that's sort of something that we're really really trying to focus on as a team and obviously being a a creative agency there's only so much aspect of of like product or service that we can sell to to help with that so using what we've already created to become what we're calling sin hub mainly is just yeah that's the new focus (laughs) I'm very excited to see how that all pans out and when you launch it. I'm very, very excited. But let's talk about community. So the community is diverse. It's wonderfully colourful and and it's I think it's just it's such a beautifully inclusive community and very supportive the majority of the time. But there's also some pretty big divides within the industry. What's your take on on that? And where do you think the issues lie? Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm going to get myself in a lot of trouble saying this, but I feel like I really need to say, Poraki is a huge divide in our community. Okay, for those who don't know what Poraki is, can you explain what Poraki is? Yeah, to me, hierarchy means looking at somebody else in the sex industry and and thinking badly of them, regardless of what it is that they're they're working in or doing. Like looking down on them and feeling like superior to their position in the industry. 
So yeah, I have I've had a few people come to me mentoring with problems with hierarchy, and actually noticed that a lot of people define hierarchy differently, which mm-hmm. is something that I was I hadn't thought about before. To me, hierarchy was always you know others that blame, I guess, privileged or non-privileged workers or people that offer different services other than them as an issue. I never really thought about Boraki being a problem between sections of of sex work. I was about to say sex work. (laughs) Oh, there you go. So I thought that just because somebody was a dancer and didn't offer full services that they thought differently about us, it never, like, it never occurred to me as that. And Recently, I sort of, I have dealt with with horaki from people that don't offer full service sex work myself. And I've just been like, hang on, we, we're all in the same industry. Like, what does it, what does it matter? So I think some people define horaki in that way, like whether they offer full service or not, or whether they offer, you know, covered oral or not, or, or things like yeah. that. It seems to be everybody has an opinion, but to be honest your opinion doesn't matter (laughs) do you know what I mean like I know that sounds really horrible but nobody is in a position in this industry to to judge another person in this industry regardless of personal beliefs are so I that's just me that's my take (laughs) yeah no I agree I think you know we're all in the adult industry we're all in this business of sex and that covers so many different facets and different needs that people have, you know, online, in person, you know, all of the different things. And what I've noticed, what people have been telling me lately, which I've found a really fascinating take on hierarchy or a different thing that's come up is full service workers attacking, like verbally attacking OnlyFans workers for calling themselves sex workers. Whereas it used to be like, you know, where sugar babies are like, I'm not a sex worker. And we're like, yes, you are. <laughs> and now it's like OnlyFans workers are like, yeah, I'm a sex worker. And people are like, no, you're not. You don't do us, you don't do this. You shouldn't be calling yourself a sex worker. And I'm like, hang on now. Like we are all sex workers. We are in the business of sex. That is our job. Like whether we do it in like, you know, full service or not, we sell sex essentially. Mm-hmm. So um, have you seen that come up at all for you with any yeah, so I actually saw that on your Instagram feed. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody oh, yeah. was behaving badly and uh, an OnlyFans service provider was attacked by a full service service provider openly online or something about not being a sex worker because they don't provide the same service. It's like, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, like it, the way I sort of see it, if we really wanted to get down to a definition, it's like if you're taking any of your own personal time to convert into cash via the use of adult services, <laughs> you're a sex worker. Do, do you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, like it, that, well, that maybe is a very loose definition, but whether you are an only online provider or not, it's still a form of, of sex work or adult work, however ever it is you prefer to identify. But, yeah, I, I just I don't see the need because uh, it's like, we have like external hierarchy already. So we have no matter what, if you're in the adult industry, you already have to fight this battle line that's surrounding around you. There is no need to 
bring it internally into the industry and, and open your flanks to more battle lines because you're just weakening your military state. Do you know what I mean? To fight the war. <laughs> it's like the best yeah. way to do it. Sorry, I'm a huge history buff. <laughs> <laughs> no, please go on. That's the way I sort of see it. And then you've also got this third other player that's involved that you might not know, which is your internal hierarchy. So it's like yeah. you're already fighting a battle with yourself why why put more energy out into fighting people because you don't agree with how they they identify in sex work which is their own right to identify their work however they like do you know what I mean like does that make sense (laughs) it does so your views on internal hierarchy what do you think or how do you think the NFS in somebody's behavior or thoughts like what do you what are some telltale signs that somebody's dealing with hierarchy internal hierarchy internal internal yeah so I think that as humans when we feel unbalanced with our own um, imbalanced not unbalanced <laughs> <laughs> with our own world within our own sphere so I have said this before in a few of my drawing things I've done online it's like if you think of life as a table and you've got a, a t- we're saying this table is square so it has four legs okay, okay. <laughs> each, of those, each of those legs represent pillars like of your your life that you need to make your table balanced so if that whether that's like personal work financial emotional whatever it is that those those key pillars are that keep you feeling happy because balance is happy happiness right when one of those those legs of the table isn't being focused on or it's not working very well and your table starts to tilt in a certain way as humans we tend to look at external problems first as the reason for causing that rather than internally and project that onto other people So starting a fight with somebody for no reason openly online, I often see that as a a situation where the person needs to be asked if they're okay. Like, are you okay? What's happening? Is there something that I can help you with? Because you're attacking your own peers and it's got to do with something that's not aligned correctly inside you because if your table was balanced, it's probably something you wouldn't have noticed and just moved on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is that, is yeah. that a good way to explain it? I'm, I'm not sure. So that's that's sort of one way. The other way is people attracting from the community. So finding that, you know, other workers seem to be the cause of, of their problems and, and, you know, blaming community or blaming work when it, it's not necessarily correct. It's more about how they're approaching the work or how they're, they're allowing it to sit in the pillars of, ta- of their table. Do, does that make sense? Um, yeah. I, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it's such an interesting, that's an interesting way to look at it as well because I, I feel like I've definitely re- retracted from the community when I felt that I wanted to, like, become more involved in non-sex work, things like studying fashion fashion studies and things like that and then I kind of get this feeling like oh you know like I can't be a sex worker I can't like be myself or or be that but then there's other times as well where you know the the community can be incredibly volatile and political and all of this type of thing which and 
which is great. I think it's it's great that we have these really open discussions and we can speak about all of the different things that come up and when people aren't, you know, using their privilege in certain ways or like not looking, you know, saying things that are detrimental to other parts of the community. But it also can come across as like an attack on an individual, which can definitely cause like a recluse, you know, you know, you have to pull away from the industry, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I feel like there's been times where I've retracted from the community, which I've spoken to you about before, when I dealt with a lot of online uh, trolling and stuff to my business. And I felt like every time I sort of reached out to the community, it got worse. Yeah. So I then came to the conclusion it had to be somebody within my community or, or with, with, that was around me that was doing that to me. And that was a really nasty sort of way to live. I mean, living like in fear and doubt of not trusting yourself with your with your business, do you know what I mean? Because that's the way that I ended up feeling for ages was really, really horrible. And I'm so lucky that I had support people around me that were like, bitch, wake the fuck up. <laughs> like, yeah, you've got this. Exactly. You know? But yeah, I think there are, there are definitely people that are, are more privileged in, in our community that say things online that don't understand repercussions of what it is that they're saying and, and people get upset with them. I don't necessarily agree it needs to be an online discussion that's open to the public. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I feel yeah. like having more of a united yeah showing more of a united front and that doesn't need to be like sunshine lollipops and rainbows we're all fantastic do you know what I mean being real is 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 great but attacking other workers is not ideal for the external uh hierarchy that looks inwards to us so I'm you know trying trying to do things like as you said chasing other other business opportunities or things like that you do start to panic and and wonder like can I be a sex worker and be anything else? Because society's telling me that I can't. Like everybody's judgment is telling me that I can't be a sex worker at all. Yeah. And that's really, really harmful, <laughs> I think. Yeah, to your exactly. Let me see, a question for you. So I, I think I have like way too many questions for you that I'd love to get into your brain and know the answers to. But I guess... One of them would be your your mentoring and coaching that you're doing at the moment as well, like in conjunction with the podcast. Are you are you noticing that there's a lot of conflict, internal conflict with people coming through and reaching out to you about like internalized hierarchy, like specifically with with things like lockdown? So like, you know, are people trying to get other jobs and and not feeling confident to pursue ideas and dreams and diversification of their business because they've, they've been doing the same thing forever. Do you know what I mean? I, I haven't really noticed it so much. I feel like internal hierarchy is something that most people don't sort of pick up on themselves. I notice it mostly when people talk about relationships instead of opposed to like other jobs. They're like, I can't have a relationship while I'm a sex worker or no one, like, you know, I can't get married if I'm a sex worker or no one, I won't meet a good guy, you know, or whatever it is while I'm working. Like you can't be this and have this or, you know, or you can have a family and be a sex worker. That's where I personally see hierarchy manifesting most, like internal hierarchy manifesting. Yeah, but I mean, I don't That's so true. 
clear just snakes in the Wait. microphone. <laughs> I actually, I think that's like really spot on. I myself have done that. Like while I'm working, I don't want to be in a relationship. And I have tried, like I have tried doing that being like in a relationship and I found it really difficult not because of the person that I was seeing had a problem with working but it's sort of like in my own idea I didn't want to have both at the same time yeah some reason it felt like uh, I was either committed to my work or committed to to him so you know what I mean and I, I found it really difficult to balance the two but then it's like it's so silly because why can't you have everything and be be a sex worker you know like why do I think that about myself and I don't think that about other people but just myself (laughs) it's so weird right I think we're like conditioned to you know like we've got so much conditioning rammed into us our whole lives about what a relationship is what a normal relationship is what a family system looks like what a career looks like and then even though like like you intrinsically want to be a sex worker and have a relationship you're still like battling all of these different layers of what is considered normal and you're like hang on no I want this I want this I want this but you know it's just like one of those things kind of got to peel back one by one I guess it's so true like I guess for me I come from a divorced family so this whole white picket fence idea of the family system never existed to me <laughs> oh like, yeah my family's a mess too <laughs> I was, it was like my mom and dad used to like meet in in the middle of the because the, they used to live in the country right so it's like they'd, they'd meet in the town in the middle in the playground <laughs> <laughs> we used to meet at mcdonald's car parks and things like that <laughs> to me it was family and it too was great because like christmas would come around and be like i get up early i go and have like lunch time here and then i get dropped in the park and then i get picked up by my mom <laughs> and i get to go for christmas like <laughs> it was like double presents double do you know what i mean like and it was like i was a kid that's what family was sort of like to me relationship wise i guess i never really hounded or wanted a relationship for ages until i got a taste of one i guess when being a little <laughs> bit later like because <laughs> like i as i as i said earlier i started off in quite a toxic relationship when i was younger and that really sealed the deal for me for quite a long time so working in relationship like never really honed in together until more recently and i yeah the internal internal stories and, and systems and stereotypes that i've given myself have been in conflict with one another and particularly yeah. with the career one like like what you said so what does a career look like like I put myself through uni struggling for something that I ended up not wanting to do because I thought that I should like I thought that I had to so it's like this I know the same sort of things applying it to your business like we have to do this this way no you don't do it your own way like but it's so hard to you know to like to break free from that so and it's yeah Mm -hmm. and it's like Nobody or general society doesn't see our career as a career, right? They're just like, it's a a temporary type thing that if you have to do it, you do it. If you're desperate, you do it. It's like, you know, you say to someone, I'm a sex worker, I'm an escort. And they're like, oh, what's your exit strategy? I'm like, I don't have an exit strategy. They're like, well, you have to have an exit strategy. I'm like, why do I have to have an exit strategy? Well, you can't be a 40-year-old hooker. I'm like, yeah, I can. Like, why can't I be a 40-year-old hooker? Like, <laughs> people still want to bang me when I'm 40. Like, who the fuck are you to tell me that? 
can't wait to be a 40 year old hooker i'm gonna look banging man like i'm gonna look yeah. fucking hot at 40 <laughs> i'm gonna get my chin lipo and you know no I think like yeah it's so true I mean I did enter sex work in a in a I would say state of desperation but with a short-term plan like short-term being three years or so to finish off my degree and when I came back into sex work I didn't have a plan like I just I was like you know what I fucking really like that I'm gonna go back and do that and I'm gonna try and do it to the best of my ability running my own business because I don't want somebody to take money from me I want to yeah. choose who I give my money to. And that's when I you yeah. know, hired PAs and stuff. Um, but having, you know, more choice and more option. That, but when I, I did move to Melbourne a few years ago, I decided I needed to have a break. And I tried to go and get like another job just to see how I would go. And I wasn't given an equal opportunity because I was a sex worker for so long. I was like that, that gap. Yeah. Is I can't really lie about like, <laughs> it's huge. Well, this is, this is, this is exactly the thing, right? You've got these people here and they're like, you can't do this forever. You need to get a real job or you need to do this. You need to have an exit strategy. And we earn good money. Like, not, I mean, we're in a privileged position. Not everybody in the industry earns, you know, whatever. Like, that's, but I mean, you build your lifestyle around what you're earning. And to go from an income that you've worked really hard to get and you've spent years getting to a certain level, then that's the experience you've got for that block of time, right? And there's, it doesn't translate. Well, it does translate. The skills definitely translate into other industries. But employees don't take that like marketing and business knowledge and skills that are so clear and so like you've got all of the proof and all of the data and all of the things to show how good you are. But they look at it and go, you're a sex worker. (laughs) I spoke about at my TEDx pitch and I'm really devastated that we don't have a full recording of this because we do have like a a small recording that's going to be up in the licorice library. But my, my pitch when I went on there and to talk, very rapidly, I might, I might say, because I'm terrified of public speaking. <laughs> like, hi everyone. <laughs> Shit, I'm here. With the actually pitched to the to the crowd that was full of business people. I'm like, I want you to help me create pathways for people in the industry and out of the industry. So if people want to choose to leave the industry, that all of the skills that they have that should be considered as business skills should be transferable, can be transferable via your help, via your recommendation, your reference. And that's sort of like where that sort of started the path of us trying to do like perversity and stuff as well was that we want people's skills to be recognised and people might, you know, harp on about it in in the opposite. It's like, well, it's not really, it's not this. It's like it's actually all down to your individual self, how much importance you place on particular skills and if you like, if you if you you self self learn or you know you pay for additional learning whatever in this if you have built up skills and that you should be able to take those skills into another position and that's not you know necessarily like just after one year or something like that but if you have like recognizable time and knowledge in any career should be transferable do you know what I mean yeah you should be able to acknowledge it should be acknowledged so it's really important to me anyway (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I completely agree because, I mean, I have tried to get jobs outside of the industry. I go through phases where I'm like, I hate this at the moment. I just want to get out. 
then you're like, well, how the fuck do I get out of this industry now? Like I, I kind of, I can't get out of this industry because I can't get to another job that's going to pay my bills the same way. I'm not, my skills aren't transferable to a, a job that's going to, it's not entry level essentially. And, yeah. and no one will hire me if I tell the truth on my resume because they've got like some like prejudice against sex workers because it'll conjure up all of these images of what a sex worker is, who they are, and they don't want that in their business essentially without even giving me the time of day to interview. Or, or they sit there and think, man, she must have mad blowjob skills. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably what they think and they're like, we better not get her in. <laughs> Got other skills, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how funny. Okay. Well, we have covered quite a little bit today. We I, we did go on some tangents, which I expected that we would because we, we can never really stick to <laughs> one topic. I don't think I asked you any other questions that I wanted. But mm-hmm. I, it is your birthday coming up, and I'm very, very upset that we'll be separate, you know, not in the same LGA to celebrate <laughs> myself dying. But what do you want for your birthday? Uh, <laughs> thank you. Yes, my birthday's coming up in a few days. Probably after <laughs> the podcast will probably come out after my birthday. But I have been asking people that have been asking me birthday questions just like I did last year. That I would really, really love it if you could go to the Scarlet Alliance website and donate a little bit of money to the emergency fund for sex workers during lockdown. I have contributed myself to this fund and I think it's really important that we take care of our community, particularly those that are going without at the moment. And that would be the best birthday present anybody could get me please (laughs) that's so lovely and you're right it's such a worthwhile initiative that they're doing and because there is a lot of people struggling right now and we that's what I love about the community though because they always we're the most generous community when there's people in need it doesn't matter how you know there's always people who want to help others in the community it's great. Yeah. So thank you for that. I will post the link for that as well to make it nice and easy for people to donate. So thank you so much for joining us today. It was so good to have you. You popped my interview cherry. So thank you. <laughs> That's not all I'm going to pop on you now. <laughs> thank you so much.